Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the last service of 2018. You made it. We're here. It's the last one. And uh, we're about to turn over into 2019 and start a whole new year and get a whole new beginning. We've started a series on the book of uh, the life of Christ. And we're going through the book of Luke right now. And uh, this week we're going to jump into uh, the section that talks about Christ's baptism. And then uh, actually Pastor Marty's going to back it up one step next week before we continue on with the series. So we're excited that you're here. I hope that uh, as you're here you, you're full of the holidays and um, that everything went well. You had a great holiday season. They actually say this is the time of the year where people get most depressed and disappointed is right after Christmas. Because... A lot of people buy into the hype of commercial Christmas, but we all know that commercial Christmas can't deliver on its promise, right? Commercial Christmas says if you give gifts or if you hang lights on your house or, you know, you sing the holiday songs, you're going to be full of hope and full of cheer, and then Christmas is over and it all falls flat. And that is kind of the deception of commercial Christmas, where we have the real meaning of Christmas because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the Lord. And when you have that, you can have hope all year round, and that promise actually gets delivered, unlike the, the, the false promise of commercial Christmas. So I hope you find yourself encouraged. The other thing that I love about coming up to the end of the year and starting a new year is it's time for a new beginning, for a fresh start. And every time we get to turn the calendar over and start a new year, it's like a new beginning for us. And it doesn't matter uh, how old you are. If you're here and you're young, if you're in middle school or high school or even college, or if you're middle-aged or you're an old person that's here. It doesn't matter. The Lord gives us all new beginnings at different times in our lives. And he does that for different reasons to accomplish his purpose. And for some people, maybe their new beginning is getting baptized today. And that will mark a new beginning in their life or a new work that God's going to do in their lives. I remember um, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about a story from years ago when I was in high school and uh, a bunch of friends of mine, what we used to do on a Friday or Saturday nights, we would go hang around on South Street in Philadelphia. We'd pile into a car and go over there and as typical teenagers do, we're probably just obnoxious walking up and down the streets. So I remember we're over in South Street and we're going in Tower Records and some of these different stores and we were going to go over there and one of my friends says, hey, we're going to meet up with these girls that I know that are over there and you know, this one girl, Laura, who's going to be there, she's a little different than the rest of the people in the group. You'll know right away, but just don't make a big deal about it, all right? So I said, okay. So we meet up with these girls, and this girl, Laura, is just kind of walking through the group, and she's talking to everybody in the group. Where are you from? What sports do you like? She's asking us all kinds of questions, and Laura wants to go in every single store on South Street. Every store. We're walking in one store, out the other, in another store, out the other. And uh, as we're going through, you know, my buddies and I, we're hanging around during the store, and we see these kids from high school, and they're in one of these horse-drawn carriage things. So we start making fun of them. You know, ah, you enjoying your horsey ride, and did your mama pay for the horsey ride, and all this stuff, you know, teenagers do, and we're making fun of them. So we continue on. This girl, Laura, she's talking to everybody, and I remember we go in this, you know, there's all kinds of, like, punk stores and all this stuff that we're going in and out of, stuff. I would never gone into, but Laura's making us go in there. So finally, we get to the end of the street or something. We turn the corner, and there is one of these horse-drawn coaches. 
And Laura looks at all of us and she says, can we go on that? Can we go for a ride? Now I know what we just said to the other kids, but I'm like, okay. She's like, I'll even pay for it. I'll pay for it. I just want to go on this horse, horse carriage ride. So we all get in and I get about as low as I can in the seat. And it's taken us through, you know, South Philly. And uh, we pull up to the one red light where we couldn't go through. And sure enough, all the kids we made fun of are now standing on the street corner. And we're stuck. And now they're giving the business back to us. So we had done this carriage ride. Everybody kind of goes on their way. And as we're driving home, I said to one of my friends, I'm like, so what was up with that girl, Laura? Anyway, he's like, all right, look, I'll tell you. She didn't want me to tell anybody, but I'm going I'm to let you guys know. She had a twin sister who just died. And she's on this new kick now where she doesn't ever want to take life for granted again. She wants to live every moment that she possibly can to its fullest. That's why she wanted to go in every store. That's why she wanted to go in the carriage rides and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that was the only time I ever saw that girl, Laura, in my entire life was just that one time. But it made such an impression on me because what had happened in her life was the start of a new beginning. God had taken her on some kind of a journey, and I don't know what happened to her later on in life, but it started her on this path of having a fresh outlook of what she was going to do with her life. And, you know, real life dictates that to us, doesn't it? If you live this life, you can't help but experience tragedy or experience a triumph or something great or something terrible in your life, and those become marking points for us. They almost become those new beginning marking points. And an opportunity that we have today is as a new year begins and a year ends and a new year begins is that there's a marking point for us to have a new beginning. The idea in your outline says God establishes new beginnings to accomplish his purpose in our lives. God establishes those new beginnings because he has a work that he wants to do in your life and in my life. Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, God puts us on this journey, and he has a purpose for each one of us. 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This verse sort of alludes to the whole process we call the sanctification process. And I don't really want this to be a theology sermon today, but just to touch on sanctification. The word sanctification means set apart. We're being set apart for God's holy purpose. But also in the process of sanctification, God takes us on a journey to become more and more like Christ. Romans 6 says we are no longer slaves to sin. Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're no longer a slave to the sinful lifestyle. God has freed you through that, through his son Jesus Christ. And Romans 12 says that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, God is taking us on a journey to be set apart for his holy purposes. It's the sanctification process that we're all on. And new beginnings help us in that sanctification process. Getting back to our series, we're going to be talking about the baptism of Jesus. And to set the stage for this a little bit is just to give you a little background of where we are in the scripture. We're in Luke chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to open up to that. But we find this character who's on the scene, his name is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is a distant cousin of Jesus. And for 400 years, the nation of Israel has heard nothing but silence from God. The age of the minor prophets that we read about in the Old Testament, that age is over. 
and there's been 400 years of silence. Yes, people are still going to the temple and they're going through the rituals that they always went through, but that's it. They're not hearing anything back from God. So along comes John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is kind of this wild, crazy guy. You can read about him on your own, what he looked like. But John becomes a voice calling from the wilderness. He becomes a prophetic voice to the nation of Israel that has heard nothing but silence for 400 years. And he's calling people to repentance. He's taking people that are involved in an apathetic religious ritual, and he's saying, there's more for you. But you need to repent of your sins. And the word that's used in Scripture for repent actually means to change directions. It doesn't just mean to be sorry for your sins. It means you were walking this way, going away from God. And when you repent, not only are you sorry for your sins, but you literally turn around and go the opposite direction. That's what repentance means. It means to turn away to turn and go the opposite way of which you were going. And John is calling people. He's saying you need to repent and be baptized. And his baptism is a, bap- is a baptism of repentance. So this wild man comes out of the desert and he's calling people. And if you read the accounts a little longer in the book of Matthew, and if you read that account, you'll see that there's tax collectors and there's soldiers and there's people from every walk of life that are coming to him to be baptized. And John's telling them all the same thing. He says, you need to repent. You need to change your ways. This ritual that you're doing at the temple is not enough. There needs to be more. And we see during this story, this is where Jesus enters in because Jesus enters the scene and he's there to be baptized. So follow along as I read. We're going to read Luke 3, 21 through 23. And we're just really going to hang around on those three verses for the whole message today. So follow along. It says, in ver- starting in verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. What we see in the baptism of Jesus is the work of a new beginning. Verse 23 says it was the start of his public ministry. He was about 30 years of age. You know, if you're here and you're thinking about baptism, some people think, well, you know, I'm too old. I should have got baptized when I was a teenager. Well, Jesus was 30 when he got baptized, so it's no problem with you being baptized either. But as we see this, this is the call of a new beginning. It's the start of something new. Jesus had done things privately ministry-wise, but now this was going to be the start of his public ministry. Point one in your outline says Jesus' baptism was significant for his ministry. In Luke three twenty-one, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. The biggest question in the story that a lot of people have, and I even have it myself sometimes, is why was Jesus baptized? John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He was telling people to repent from their sins, and he was baptizing this baptism of repentance that he was doing at this time. Jesus had no need for this. And if you read the account in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, John tries to even stop him and says, Whoa, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus replies to him, No, this is to fulfill all righteousness. So when we look at this and we see Jesus being baptized, it's yet one more sign of him connecting to humanity. 
He says it's to fulfill all righteousness. You know, we have a Savior that was very connected to our humanity. Marty read that in Philippians a couple weeks ago when he said, you know, Jesus took on the form of a man and he emptied himself. He emptied himself by adding on human components. He got tired. He got thirsty. He got hungry. Probably got frustrated with some of the people that he was dealing with. But he added on those human components so that we would have a Savior that can relate to us and then we can relate to him. And yet here we see one more example of Jesus taking on this human form. And just like the other sinful people are being baptized, we have the Son of God who shows up who has no sin, who does this act of humility in being baptized by John, a sinful man, so that he can relate to us and so that he can humbly and obediently follow the calling of God on his life. Not only did it show the the humbleness of God, the humbleness of Jesus, it also authenticated who he was. Because we see just in the, in the passages later, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and the audible voice of God is heard. The audible voice of God says, this is my son, in him I am well pleased. We know that it was right for Jesus to be baptized because it is authenticated by the voice of God and by the Holy Spirit. Um, We also see this is, for those of you familiar with the term, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is an example of Scripture where we see all three present at the same time. We see the Son getting baptized and the Holy Spirit descending and the Father's voice. We see examples of the Trinity. But this humility, this this humbleness that Jesus uh, exemplified for us in this passage is something that we need to grasp onto. Because to, to fulfill his purpose here on earth by dying on the cross and taking the punishment for all of humanity, Jesus first became humble. And this is one of the first places that he became humble. Not only being born in a manger and the birth of Christ that we just celebrated, but his humble obedience to be baptized by John the Baptist. When I was working in conference ministry a while ago, um, I remember there was a time I was working backstage and the director of the conference came in and he said, hey, Eric, I need you to do me a favor. Anne's in the next ballroom over. Uh, we need you to, to help get her packed up and get her on her way. So whatever she needs, help her out. It's okay. I don't really know who that was, but I walked in the next room. Are you Ann? Yes, I'm Ann. Uh, what can I do to help you? She said, well, first of all, outside that door, there's a bunch of people waiting for me. Can you just apologize and tell them I can't get to them today? No problem. Go to the door. Hey, folks, uh, Ann can't meet with you guys today. Sorry, I'll just have to be another time. So a little bit of groaning there, but they all left. I come back, and I said, what can I help you with? And there was a box there. She was packing some stuff up, and she said, do me a favor. Just grab that file folder. I'll get the box, and just help me get down the hallway. So as we're walking down the hallway, I said to her, I said, uh, Ann, do you work here at the hotel? And she says, no, I, I, don't, I don't work here at the hotel. Uh, she just, you know, I, I kind of travel around a little bit. I said, oh, well, where are you from? And she's telling me she's from North Carolina. And so she's asking me where I'm from. And she's asking me what I did at the conference and what was my role there. And uh, we got her out to her car. And I said, hey, thanks for, for helping out at the conference. And she gets on her way. I go back to my station backstage. And the director comes in. He says, did you help her out? And I said, yeah, who was that anyway? I said, I asked her if she worked at the hotel. And she said, no. I said, who was that? He said, that was Ann Graham Lotz. That was Billy Graham's daughter. Oh, and she carried the box. My parents would be so proud of me right now. But you know, in all of that, she stayed humble. She never said, do you know who I am? 
You carry the box. She never got off of her purpose. Her purpose was to be there and to speak to people, and she accomplished her purpose, and some knucklehead from New Jersey who didn't recognize who she was didn't have any bearing on that at all. You know, we live in this northeast culture that we have here where a a big famous thing that we say around here is you should have, right? Guy cut you off in traffic. You know what you should have done? You should have pulled up next to him and said this. Or, you know, somebody does something or says something about you. Oh, you know what? You should have. You should have done this. And you should have. You know, we have this big you should have culture. I wonder if people would have said that to Anne. You know, you know what you should have said to that guy from New Jersey? But no. Humility says we don't fall into that trap. Humility says we have a purpose that's bigger than all of that. Humility says we have a purpose that's bigger than the obstacles that are put that are put in our way or the person who doesn't recognize who we are. It's crucial for us to understand that the baptism of Jesus was significant because it demonstrated his humble obedience to what God called him to do for humanity. And it was significance for his ministry. The big question is, is if Jesus was humble enough to be baptized, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't you? If the Son of God was humble enough to go out with all those sinners and be baptized in front of them, why wouldn't we do it? Further significance that we find is the marking of his public ministry says Jesus himself began his ministry when he was about 30 years of age. It started something new. The baptism of Jesus was significant for his ministry because it started a new beginning for him. Like we talked about in the beginning of of this message, it was a new beginning. It was a fresh start. Jesus was going to start a whole new work, a whole new line of ministry that he hadn't done before. It was going to be a public ministry now. And it ushers in the time where he's going to be crucified and take the punishment for the world. The second point, Jesus' baptism was significant for our ministry today. In Luke 3.22, it says, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. You know, Jesus is obedient all the way to the point of being baptized. And it's confirmed by God that this was the right thing for him to do. And we see him filled by the Holy Spirit. You know, obedience is one of those things in our society. It can be difficult to grasp because our society tends to lean towards rebellion, tends to lean towards all kinds of disobedience, whether it's a civil disobedience, whether it's a rebellion, whether it's not listening to authorities. And it's not really... um, one of those things that that we want to draw a line and say, well, this is right and this is wrong. It's more a line of, what's the bigger purpose? What has God called us to? Maybe sometimes he's called us to those things, but other times he calls us to whatever his purpose was, to impact the kingdom in the way that he has gifted us and challenged us to do that. Really, the baptism of Jesus was significant for our calling of ministry. We, If we don't grasp onto the idea of being obedient to what God calls us to do, we fall in danger of of what they were doing in those 400 years of silence, which was simply a ritual. You go to church on the weekend, you hear a message, you sing a couple songs, and then you go on with your life Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. 
But what God is calling us to do to is something much bigger. He's calling us to his purpose. It's go, it goes back to the idea of sanctification. You are set apart for God's work. You are set apart for his purpose. In Romans 8 28 it says, we know that all thi- in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Those whom he has called according to his purpose. See it's important for us not to get side railed or, or derailed by other issues other than what God has called us to. What is the purpose that he's called you to in your life? I was reading a story about this guy Gustav Eiffel and Gustav Eiffel, his company was responsible for building the Eiffel Tower back in the late 1800s. And he had some engineers that were much more passionate about the project than he was. But this was supposed to be the centerpiece of the World's Fair. And they started to build this Eiffel Tower. They drew out the drawings. You can still look them up and you can find them online. You can see this masterpiece that they were going to build. And as they started to build the Eiffel Tower in Paris, the local painters and sculptors and artists and poets and musicians hated it. And they hated it so much that they started to do everything they could to undermine the project. And when that didn't work, they started to undermine Gustave Eiffel. And they started to say terrible things about him. And then the newspapers started to print those things. And every time the work slowed down, they said, oh, it's because Gustave Eiffel is insane. He's in an insane asylum. He's gone mad. He's out of his mind. And the work had to stop because he went crazy. And they did everything they could to drag his name through the mud and make him look like he was the problem. And this went on for three years. For three years, this guy took a beating. He took a beating in the press. He took a beating in public opinion. He had some of his own people leave the project. Time after time, this guy just kept taking a beating for this project. But he stayed the course. And he finished the project. And today, if you ask anyone, what is the centerpiece of Paris, France? They will tell you it's the Eiffel Tower. It's because there was a man who was bold enough to stay the course of what he was called to do. Like Eiffel, we need to be bold enough to stay the course of what God has called us to do. What is God calling you to do? You know, 2019 can mark the year of a new beginning for you. It can mark a whole new course that God sets you on. God can call you to a whole new purpose in 2019 that you were not on in 2018. And maybe 2018 for you was a terrible year. Maybe you felt just a lot like Eiffel where, you know, people were persecuting you. People were dragging your name through the mud. Maybe there was tragedies in your life. Maybe 2018 was a huge disappointment. Maybe you lost friends. Maybe you lost relatives. Maybe life was just a big disappointment for you. God calls us new beginnings to new beginnings so that we can set a marker and move forward. What's the purpose he's called you to? You know, the real life stuff, whether it's a friend that disappointed you, whether it's a relationship that went bad, whether it's a tragedy, listen, if you're here and you're in middle school or you're in high school or you're in college or you're a working adult or you're a senior citizen. doesn't matter. The real life that we live brings about disappointment and tragedy. The important thing is that we stay on course 
to what God has called us to. What is the purpose that he's called you to? 2019 can be a year of new beginnings for you. What is the new beginning that God is calling you to? What is that new thing that he has for you as we start a new year? Is it getting baptized? Is it maybe accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior because you've never done that? Is it starting off on a new venture? Is it going on a missions trip? Is it being bold and stepping up and saying, I'm going to help in this ministry or do this because I've never done this before? What is that new thing? It's all part of the process that God has us in. That sanctification process of becoming more and more like Christ. And how do we do that? We stay humble and we stay obedient to what God's called us to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we have today just to look into your word. And um, we thank you for the blessing of seeing people baptized, people following your call in their lives, people following the purpose that you have for them. God, I pray for anybody here who's still wrestling with whether or not they should be baptized. God, get them up out of their seats. Have them be baptized today. I pray for anybody here who's wrestling with accepting you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that as we wrap up the last service of the year, that this would be the service where they accept you finally as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray for those who had a great year in 2018. Everything went really well and they're encouraged in you. God, I pray that they would be even more encouraged in 2019. I pray that they would be more challenged to live for you. I pray that their purpose would be bigger and bolder than ever before. God, I pray for each person here that you will draw us closer to the purpose that you've called us to in the year ahead. God, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.